0: Apologies in advance for the poor audio quality of my side of the call during our introduction to this episode. Apparently, we were having some microphone issues that weren't caught until after recording. I've done my best to clean it up. Hopefully it won't deter from the experience and the rest of the show after the introduction should sound just fine. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is the show where we discuss fitting games into your life, games in all its forms. This is actually episode 9b, a follow-up and continuation of our board game special. But because we love you so much, we wanted to come back and do an intro that we would kind of catch up on how things were going, make this a little more interesting than just the last little bit of the board game special. I'm joined this week by my brother Shane. How are you doing, Shane? I'm doing great. Um, I just had a beautiful day. I got to see uh, a movie with my dad, uh, since we're recording this on Father's Day for all you fathers out there.: Yeah, actually that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting factor. Uh, this will probably be the first time that we are recording something for the show within only a couple of days of it hitting your pod catchers. So uh, we can actually say something mildly topical on this episode, and it will make sense to you, the listener. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of good stuff out there for Father's Day sent me and my dad to the theater. Um, But uh, for those of you who uh, watch Game of Thrones, would have also caught the Game of Thrones finale today. Oh, this is the perfect opportunity for you to spoil it for everyone. Do my best and not spoil anything for any of you. Oh, uh, you're a better man than I. Although I'm not a, I'm not a, the kind of guy that really hates spoilers. I don't mind seeing spoilers. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. Yeah, we've kind of discussed that. I, I love spoilers for the most part. I wish there was a better name for them than Spoiler. I know. It sounds, so, uh, it sounds like such a bummer. I think um, uh, Plot Precognition. Plot Kodak Moments. No. Well, so because this is coming to you on Father's Day 2014, uh, we're not very long past E3, and it's been a really, really exciting E3, actually. Um, we don't really do gaming news and the hot news on this show, but uh, I know I've been keeping an eye on E3 pretty closely. Shane, uh, anything stand out to you at this year's E3? Well, I have been trying to keep up with uh, everything that's going on at E3, and I will say, just aside from uh, all the great news out there, uh, a couple of things have been really making me excited. One is just the degree to which Nintendo seems like they really want to sell me a Wii. (laughs) They really do. (laughs) A Wii U. Wii U. Wii U. U, That's (sighs) the... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I ought not... Can we cut me weeuing five times? Go for it. All right. Wee <laughs> wee it's a few years on and now I can b- still barely say Wii that. Wee wee Yeah. Um but definitely the the other thing that really has been keeping my attention has been this video I watched earlier, uh No Man's Sky. Now, when I told you I was really excited about this, you said gosh that sounds like Minecraft in space. And that might be if it is kind of going to include a lot of survival elements, that's That sounds good, but uh, when I saw this video of this character, this first-person character climbing out of a cave, walking past some robots, uh, sorry, walking past some dinosaurs. (laughs) Can I not tell the difference between robots and dinosaurs? Hey, it's a good confusion to have. It's exciting on both sides. Yeah, but getting into the spaceship and then flying off, it reminded me of like, and all the neon kooky colors that they've got going on. It just seems like such a um, visually awesome rendition of a game. And it, it. I do think it's tricky to recommend a game that's going to be procedurally generated. But just if you can do this kind of visuals and then promise something fresh every time, I, I, I would sign up for that. I think it's a Sony exclusive, isn't it? I don't know. Um... I think it's going to be a PS4 exclusive, which if it's as good as your... Hoping, which I don't know, um, but it might be. It looks pretty cool. Uh, Might be worth picking up a PS4. Uh Uh-huh. It's going to be down to the gameplay because that's the kind of thing, if if it is a sandbox game, like it looks like it's going to be, you've got to be delivering an experience that really gets people excited. And these visuals really get me excited. And the idea of a kind of a planet-hopping... Uh, adventure is always something that I can get—I can get behind, uh, especially when it seems like the kind of thing that seamlessly blends so well from the planetary scale to the—you um, know—running around on a on a beach and dodging dinosaurs. Yeah, the video looks pretty stunning. This has been an interesting E3. It was all about games this year. There was nothing on E3 about hardware. I mean, Sony did debut the the PlayStation TV, but essentially that's just the same as the PlayStation Vita TV or whatever it was called when they released it in Asia. It, uh, there's really no new hardware out there, this E3, but this E3, they there were a zillion games. It was too much to keep track of. I know the things that really stood out to me, um, Nintendo with their new game uh, Splatoon. Looks really cool. Shane, did you see a video of Splatoon? I did watch the video for Splatoon, and I gotta say, I'm not really that interested. Really? Um, That's a game where... Shane, cute squid girls shooting ink guns. What's wrong with you? uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little dead inside or something. But I It looks super fun. While I can get behind the idea of uh, crazy dinosaurs chasing me, I, I guess I can't get behind the idea of being a cute squid ink girl and Uh, doing versus combat. Seems very strange. Well, I think it shows that Nintendo is trying new things. You know, it's not... This game could so easily have been, like, Mario Paintball or something, but it's not. It's a new game, it's new IP, it's Nintendo trying something new. I am really excited to see that happening. I've had a real wait-and-see perspective on this entire new generation of consoles. We're at a stage right now where essentially everything good that has come out on the new consoles was already or is all is coming out on PC. And so as a PC gamer I had the luxury of kind of like standing back with my arms crossed and, you know, chuckling to myself and saying yeah, definitely. that's cool, I don't need to buy one of those peasant boxes. Oh wow. We we're all so cool up here in our ivory towers with our GPUs. But I will say that Nintendo did a great job this year of making a new case for their hardware. Um, you know, their hardware isn't great, but it has Nintendo's backing behind it, and Nintendo is not slowing down. They are continuing to make awesome stuff. Uh they had that new video of the new Zelda game looks extraordinary. I mean, yeah. They the the proposition very very simple. They give you a 1 minute video that says basically it's Zelda, but it's an open world game. And uh, they really frame that as Zelda going back to Zelda's roots. You know, Zelda has was perhaps the earliest open world game. The very first Zelda game, essentially, you could pretty much walk anywhere you wanted in the world from moment one. You'd probably get your ass handed to you at certain parts, but you—it was essentially an open world game. And they're kind of returning yes. to that. And I think that's really exciting. And the visuals of it looked great. It looked like the best looking Zelda game yet. And I like the art style. I think it sounds fantastic, so. That is exactly what got me really amped up about the Wii U coming up. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, uh, no matter what consoles I've had, and I would be willing to do, there's, you know, I was never super smart about what consoles I bought. I, I felt like you and I got to talking about getting stuck uh, as Sega kids Ugh. during the age where all we wanted to do was play Mario. Yeah. And then it got such to be such a much more complex question. But these days, the only but person that will sell me a console based on the strength of their first-party intellectual property is Nintendo, for sure. Because everything else, I'll probably be able to play on something else eventually. It's going to be the year of Nintendo. I'm excited about it. I, uh, the other thing that really, really got me excited this E3 is The Witcher 3. Now, I know that this is the short game and we talk about Uh, short games that you can fit into your schedule. That is not a short game. Disqualified! (laughs) Disqualified! I could not fit The Witcher 2 into my schedule. The Witcher 2 was perhaps my favorite role-playing game I've ever played, and I can't be more excited about The Witcher 3. Um, It was a great game. I I return to it and play it uh, for an hour once every month or so, just to keep myself good. Yeah, so I don't lose all my skills, but I haven't been able to get cool. back, get through it. So, um, E three was pretty cool, but what else is new? What have you been up to? Um. Well, uh, I said I went off to that uh, that movie. Oh, right, uh, that was fabulous. The, the Edge of, of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, it. it's a killer movie, and the I think it'd be interesting for any of our audience members, anybody who loves video games, uh, because I feel like this was the ultimate video game movie. It was like the perfect video game to movie adaptation that was never originally a video game. What do you mean by that? I mean that this character of Tom Cruise's gets thrown into... He's a he's a coward. And he gets thrown into battle with these aliens that are invading the Earth. And he finds, the premise is, that he, he is Groundhog Day-like. If he dies, he resets to the beginning of the day. So... Uh, he has to keep dying again and again and again. And his character becomes goes becomes the kind of amazing alien-killing badass that we all expect Tom Cruise to be, eventually. Uh, but he wasn't that at the beginning of the movie. And it's just through the repetition that he managed just to figure this out. And th- there's all, all these concepts that are part of the movie that are things we've seen before, like... Uh, you know, it's definitely Groundhog Day meets Independence Day. If you took all the great elements from those two movies and put them together, you could have this movie easily. But this movie is just was so well done that I give it 100 percent recommendation. So glad I went out to see it. I can't wait to see that in theaters. That's one of the few movies that I, you know, I think Tom Cruise actually kind of gets a bad rap. Um, I, I mean, maybe not everything about him is appealing, but uh, you know what? He has never made a movie that I really hated. No, he's a great movie he's a great movie he's star. He's a great movie star. And sometimes he's a really great actor. I mean, you look at something like Rain Man. It's like he he made that movie. He made a he made a movie about a guy who had a hard time getting along with his autistic brother. And he he made that a top movie. It was the top movie of 1992 or whenever it came out. Pop Culture Happy Hour had a really good episode on this that you should just go and listen to. It if you're interested in that movie, uh, tune into NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour because that's a good show. Uh, they did an episode on it this week that was really convinced me to go and see it, and I'm so glad I did. It's great, great, great to see a new. Just like you were saying, uh, Nintendo is doing a great thing, open, putting out new IP. Well, what summer blockbuster this year is not a sequel to something? Yeah, or a remake of a television show, or based on a comic book. That's a good point. Go see it. Well, keeping things moving, I know that we've got our part two of our board game special that we're leading into here, and I want to make sure we get right to that and don't keep this intro segment too super long, but uh, but as this is a video game show, I was hoping we could both chit-chat a little <laughs> bit about a short game, a great short game, that we both played and enjoyed, and uh, this week, that's Luftrausers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Luftrausers is definitely an unusual game, and I think it's... Its style is what drew me in initially. It's just a very simple game. It's really interesting looking. To kind of set it up for those of you who may not have heard of it, Luftrausers is a arcade style game with graphics that resemble, to my eye, they resemble the color palette of the Game Boy Color. You know, it's got like two to four colors on screen at a time. They're a little dull and dusty looking. No, it's, uh, to me it's it's, more like the original Game Boy because it's not that like the Game Boy Color, the color palette shifts. Oh no, it's really it's a two-color game, and those two colors are beige and red. Well, you haven't unlocked the additional color palettes yet. Oh no, I didn't know that there was mm. multiple color palettes. Oh yeah, it's a it's a game where you're flying a Luftrauser, which in the world of the game, and actually the world of the game is a uh, is a is a strange. Um, mashup. I- I'm not exactly sure how to describe it, but you're you're playing... I'm not sure how much world there was around this game. Yeah, there's not a lot. Uh, except that I appear to be a Nazi yeah. who flies a bizarre aircraft. That made me initially uncomfortable with this game, to realize that this was a game in which I was going to be cast as, as many Nazis as I've killed in video games. Uh, I booted this up and, and suddenly uh, now I'm some kind of Nazi air ace, except there's no real swastikas. You're not uh, actually a Nazi. You look just like a Nazi. Okay. The developers of the game have said that this is a uh, this is a game about a country or you know the air force of a country that is inspired by Germany among other things. It's not really. In fact, there was a small controversy about that, and eh, yeah, they're kind of Nazis, but it doesn't really have a bearing on the game. No, it has nothing to do with it it 's not like uh, i 'm i 'm a Nazi war criminal or uh, or something i 'm just a extremely oddly outfitted you 're piloting a bizarre aircraft fighter pilot yeah yeah it 's a great two dimensional game and you 're piloting a Luftrauser, which is a special sort of submersible fighter plane uh you 're piloting this in two dimensions in an arcade style. And uh, your Luftrauser is customizable with three main parts. You can customize its body, uh, its engine, and its weapon, its gun. And um, you get to unlock a series of different combinations, and you can mix and match these as you play through the game. And actually, that's sort of the best element of the game, in, in my opinion, is that you get to constantly experiment with different parts. There's no truly optimal configuration. None of these is better than any other. You can fit the configuration of your left browser uh, to your play style and also to the goal that you're trying to achieve. It's a, it's a typical sort of arcade style game. You're going for high scores, but uh, like some other games that you might have played in this kind of arcade-style genre, each time you play, there's a number of challenge goals that you can meet. Mm-hmm. And the challenge goals are really where the game gets its variety because each time you might have a different set of challenge goals that you could try for, things like uh, kill uh, three battleships or take down an air ace or, you know, different combinations of goals. And sometimes you'll find different configurations of your love browser will assist you in getting those high scores, or taking down those uh, those uh, goals more quickly. And as you do those goals, that's how you unlock new parts for your Luftrauser. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, there are certain configurations that, you know, generally weren't terribly useful at all, like, you know, one that allows you to detonate your Luftrauser with an atomic blast, killing yourself and everything around you. Not super useful generally, but it's super useful when you have a challenge goal like... Kill a zeppelin, yeah, or kill you know fifteen things in one second, yeah. So there and there's also really great uh, configurations like a, a melee body where you can uh, fly through other ships without taking damage. Yeah, you can turn your aircraft into a submarine. Uh, that can dive under the waves without being harmed. Mm-hmm. Or there's a gunjin, the gun engine, where your ship is propelled uh, by bullets that fire out the back end. Great stuff like Pretty that. Pretty outlandish stuff, but it's all so very simply rendered that uh, you know nothing really stands out about your uh, gunjin equipped submersible aircraft that's darting through the waves and stabbing battleships in their bellies. This is a game that is great for quick pickup and play, which is why I think it's so strange that the platforms that they've chosen, only one of them is a mobile platform. Uh, this game is out on the Vita, um, as well as the PS3, and on Linux, Windows, and Mac OS X. This game really feels like it would be right at home on any portable system, because it's something there each individual play is maybe two to five minutes, maybe 10 if you were just like amazingly kicking ass. Uh, but it's a short, quick fix of a game in a kind of an arcade style. Um, I found myself really liking to kind of dive into this game. If I'm playing some other game and I decide I'm fed up and I'm sick of it for a moment, I'll go and dive into Luftrausers for a few minutes and uh, and shoot down some planes, maybe take on a new challenge goal, and play it for maybe 15 minutes at the most, and then go back to something else. It's been a really great palate cleanser in between other games. What do you know about the uh, development of this game? Because... I'm seeing that it was made by the same people that made uh, ridiculous fishing. Uh, am I right about that? Yeah, the developer is Vlambeer. Uh, Vlambeer um, is kind of interesting. They've developed a few um, games, but ridi- they're... ridiculous fishing. I I did get a chance to play, and if you have an iPhone and you're looking for a game that uh, will just sort of scratch an arcadey itch, uh, that's a that's a game that will do the same thing for you. I think. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, also has a similarly out there premise. In this one, I'm some kind of bizarre air ace piloting a Luft thingy, and uh, in Ridiculous Fishing, I'm a crazy fisherman with a shotgun who likes to shoot things out of the air. I don't know. But they're both games that are visually really cool and are just a satisfying quick play, but with depth. Interestingly, these are both games. uh, Vlambeer has had a really consistent problem with game cloners. We actually talked a little bit about uh, game clones on an upcoming episode and sort of the the moral ground that they fall into kind of a odd thing but um vlambeer when they put out ridiculous fishing had a clone beat their game to market and it was a big deal in gaming at the time it really raised a lot of conversation about people cloning game concepts and and what that means and they really wrote some really great stuff about it. They're really a fantastic developer as far as kind of sharing their thoughts about uh, game development and the industry in general. And for some reason, these poor guys have really had this problem consistently. There was another similar clone of this game before it came out. Um, I guess the cloners really have their sights set on these simple games that uh, that Vlamvir is putting out. Vlamvir, by the way, stands for Flame Bear, and their logo is a bear on fire. That's awesome. They're awesome. Anyway, um, the game is awesome. It has this great look of a 90s game, but it has the great feel of a modern game because the, the physics and the gameplay are really tight and fast, and uh, and it's really just a joy to play. One quick tip. If you are trying to kill a blimp, which only appears at certain points in the game, uh, you may not realize this. There's no text in the game that explains this to you. It's really hard to discover. There's a lot of goals in the game about killing a blimp. And the blimp only appears if you kill two battleships. I don't know how you're supposed to discover this. I discovered it from reading that on the internet. Um, drove me crazy. I know. That's, I'm so glad to hear that because I could not find this blimp. I was like looking at all these different things and thinking, which among these... St- you know, poorly rendered, uh, well, no, they're beautifully rendered, but they're very simply rendered items is a blimp. I was trying to guess which is the blimp. You know the blimp when you see it, it is enormous, but you only find it when you've killed two battleships. It only arrives after you've killed two battleships in a row. And that is, that is apparent nowhere in the game. So um, there you go. Tip for you. It's only 10 bucks. You can get this game on Steam for Linux, Windows, or OS 10. It's also on the Humble Store, where it routinely goes on sale. So you can take a look on uh, on there. It's also on the PS3 and Vita, as we described earlier. And uh, if you do buy it there, it's cross-buy. So you can buy it for the PS3 and also play it on your Vita or vice versa. So, Uh, That's a pretty good value if you've got one or the other of those systems. I think probably the ideal place to play this game would be on the Vita, because like I said, I think it's really a game that would stand out as a great mobile game, something you could whip out and play at you know, the drop of a hat. It's really a great sort of quick game to jump into and, and then finish. And I keep returning back to it again and again and again when I get bored or frustrated with other games. It's a great game to just dive into. It's not the kind of game that would tempt me to get a PS Vita, but uh, I would love to play it on something portable. I'd love it if it came out for, I guess, iPad or iPhone, but it's not the kind of game that would play so great on there. It would be tough on the iPad. I think that, I mean, they, these are clearly developers who know their way around developing for iPhones and iPads. Um, with ridiculous phishing, they just did an amazing job. But I don't know. I don't know how well it would play there. So this was all preamble to part two of our board game special. If you joined us last week, we were discussing uh, board games and how to fit them into your life, because you know that's another type of gaming that we're all really passionate about. Uh, we still had a little bit to talk about in this final part of the episode. We'll be talking about Dominion, among other things. Dominion is probably one of my favorite games uh, to play around a table with cards rather than around a computer with game pads. So thanks for joining us again this week and uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. show up at Reagan's house. Just come right around the back. Doors unlocked. Come right on in and set up your game.
1: I'll put the uh, the address in the show notes. Absolutely. Please do. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, we play, uh, we play in St. Louis pretty frequently, so mm-hmm. if there's a listener of the show who wants to play with us, I mean, you know. Yeah. As long as you don't smell like cheese. What's wrong with cheese? Or unless you smell really like cheese. So, y- you mentioned these as a great
0: way to catch, you know, great games and have them recommended to you. But I think in my opinion, one of the other great resources out there would be boardgamegeek.com. So Oh, absolutely. Boardgamegeek.com is an amazing place to look up games. Once you start getting a sense of what types of games you like, one of the wonderful things about boardgamegeek.com is that it's essentially the IMDb of board games. And not only do they uh, list games in terms of like user ratings and, oh, this is a good game, oh, this is a bad game, here's some reviews, but they list them in terms of what game mechanics they include. And that's something great is that once you really start getting into board games and deciding what types of games you like, that will be a resource for you to find other games that use similar but different uh, ideas in them, games that you know you'll like because they're using mechanics that you find fun.
2: Yeah, I've made almost every one of my board game purchases uh, from Mm -hmm. BoardGameGeek.com.
0: That was, in fact, uh, that and in a a meetup group uh, was where I discovered my pick for the week, um, which was Dominion. Uh, Now, this is actually a little bit of a stretch because Dominion is technically more of a card game than a board game. But I sort of think that those two fall under the same
2: hobby yeah i mean if we're gonna make that distinction then carcassonne is more of a tile game yeah i I don't think that that's worth you know yeah clarifying that hard
1: i agree false advertising um, i'm out (laughs) (laughs) you come back here
0: dominion is a game uh that really appealed to me because when i was a kid i was a really really big fan of magic the gathering i had a big collection of cards. I spent entirely too much money going down to the local game store and buying Magic the Gathering decks, buying individual cards, and collecting it was kind of fun for me. But playing the game was really fun for me. There's other people for whom it's the other way around, but for me, it was all about playing the game. And... Um, Dominion was a really innovative game. It came out in 2008 and it's kind of a CCG, a collectible card game without that first C. It's a game where you get a box that contains a complete set of cards with a lot of variety in terms of like what cards are available. And um it's a complete game that you can sit down with 2 or 3 or I forget exactly what the, the max number of players is, but I think it's up to 5 maybe uh, players who have no collections of cards themselves and play a game that has the same fun card playing feel of a collectible card game without the cardboard crack expense of an actual collectible card game. Um, So you're not collecting. It's got a flexible number of players. So you don't just have to play it one-on-one like you do with many card games. I know one of the things that really is kind of a problem with magic, the gathering is it's always one-on-one. There's no three player version of that game. Well, with uh, Dominion, there is. And um, it's just a fantastic game for people who kind of look back fondly on that but don't want to dive into an expensive, sort of bizarre hobby like collectible card games. Um, when it first came out, it was really, really innovative. It came out in 2008, and it's widely credited as being basically the very first game in a new genre that's now referred to as deck building games. And it's called that because when you first lay out your game, um, you select about 10 different possible cards to be played in the game, apart from some standard ones that are in every game. And you're picking those randomly out out of a selection of about 28 cards that come in the set or more if you've gotten some of the expansions. So in each game, you get a sort of a randomized set of available cards. Each available card, there's many copies of, and each player starts with a deck, but their deck is tiny. And it contains exactly the same as every other player's deck. And as you're playing the game, you're simultaneously buying new cards to add to your own deck so that you can play them later in the game. And that's a big part of the strategy. You're creating a deck as you go. Uh, uh, But you're also then playing those cards in order to gain uh, victory points and then also money to buy more cards with. So your deck is a sort of a slowly snowballing... uh, collection of cards that you continue to build and build and build as you uh, as you play the game and essentially the player with the best deck wins but the player who has developed a deck over the course of the game that has the highest value in terms of victory coins not necessarily in terms of actual like uh, awesome cards you can play so it's it's got a really great sort of balance between filling your deck with you know, victory points and filling your deck with cards that you can use. Not to talk at too much length, because I'll put some uh, links to descriptions of the game in the show notes. Uh, but it's a fantastic game that makes it really easy to get that feel from the uh, from the collectible card game scene in something that doesn't feel like something that you have to devote uh, hundreds of dollars and millions of hours researching some kind of wider meta game.
2: Yeah, it's an amazing game. Uh, you kind of showed this game to me, and we've played it a couple times, and I really, really enjoyed it. I also have been a big fan of Magic: The Gathering, though I actually came to that very late. Uh, I was not a fan of Magic: The Gathering as a kid, not out of any like you know choice. I just was not something that I was really introduced to. Oh man! Uh, but Dominion to me seems like um, you know there's a big thing within the Magic: The Gathering community called the uh, draft. Mm-hmm. Basically, everybody buys a pack of. Of, of one of the random things, they take the best card, hand it to the guy to the right, and they build a deck out of you know new decks. And it seems to me like whoever created this game realized that a lot of people are having a lot of fun building decks out of you know, thin air and built an entire game out of it. Yeah. And I think it's great.
0: Yeah. And rather than the draft being a sort of a pregame game game that you have to play before you get into the actual game, the draft is the game. You're building your deck as you play the deck. That's really clever about it. When you buy new cards, you add them to your discard pile, but you are constantly shuffling your discard pile back into your deck and continuing to play those same cards that you've purchased over and over and over and over again.
1: The other thing um, I'll give you uh, that's that's a good part of Dominion, and I, I didn't play Magic. I, I didn't really like it, but I uh, have an embarrassingly large collection of Star Trek The Next Generation Collectible Card Game cards.
0: <laughs> it is embarrassing. <laughs> I was sure. over at his place recently when he was reorganizing them, and let me tell you, it was, uh, it was impressive. He now, had a very, very large table, and uh, it was pretty well dominated by multiple generations of Star Trek. Very it, impressive. I
1: will say, in my own defense, I hadn't done that in 15 years, and it was cathartic. But
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Well, uh, Siba, there is a deck-building game uh, that's a, of the Star Trek The Next Generation
1: I see. The thing is, I, I really enjoyed the first edition. Um, the actual first set of whatever it was, three hundred cards that they set mm. out it was an interesting enough game. It was quick enough that you could teach to somebody and immediately sit down and play. The mechanics weren't great, but it, you could play immediately. They released Plus, about it was Star, Star
0: Wars. Trek. I mean, excuse me, Star Trek quotes on yeah. the cards. They, Star they did,
1: Wars, shame, shame. But uh, but then they released about ten expansions for it that. They didn't plan for it in the beginning, and you could tell that the rules just got out of hand to a point that they just, I think at one point, killed the entire series and said, well, we're going to build a new game. You can't use any of the old ones, at which point I said,
0: I'm out. And that's the trouble with collectible card games. There's these endlessly changing uh, landscapes. And if you want to play competitively, competitively with people who take the game seriously, it becomes practically a full time job where you're keeping track of what game, what cards are legal to use, what cards are no longer illegal, what what new strategies have been developed based on new cards coming out that change the game in some fundamental way. Whereas a game like Dominion, if you understand the 28 cards that come in the box, you and everyone else at the table with you. Is on even footing.
1: Well, one thing I will say is first of all, I never had issue uh, uh, um, you know wrangling the rules with people who were interested and willing to play. I was trying to cross that second hurdle. Um, but the thing <laughs> but the thing about Dominion is it's not uh, uh, or the, that some of the collectible card games didn't do well is there was there were the cards themselves and then there were the rules of the game into which the mechanics of the cards applied.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: Dominion I think really simplifies that to a point that with the vague exception of you're trying to buy victory points with gold, all of the mechanics are on those ten cards. So if you have some, you can play with somebody whose first time it is there, and they're saying, "How do I do this? Oh wait, I have to buy victory points. They cost this amount of gold. Okay, how do I get gold?" And yeah, yeah, you, know, you, know you can
0: essentially it's read the rules of the game right off of the cards. Correct. It's a fantastic point because it makes the game really easy to pick up. Um, now, I, I absolutely love this game and I will play it at the drop of the hat. And it's a it's an easy game to teach to new people. And it passes the Jamie test because my wife will actually play this game with me one on one. That's a, a great success for a game uh, because uh, she's very picky. She will play games based on uh, cooking and uh, she will play uh, this and she will play Small World. And, and that's- Samurai. Samurai. And samurai, yes, actually, that's true. So um, she's uh, she's a very picky gamer, and this is a game that I've convinced her to play, and that we both enjoy playing. And she beats me at it routinely, which is great. Um, but for those uh, uh,
1: for those people that you have here that are that have been playing before, um, or that have not played before and are thinking about picking up, the the one thing I'll throw in to absolutely ruin your gaming night is try just buying money. See how it gets you. For those who have tried that and realized that it's the asshole's way to win. If you're going to get somebody that does it, kill them quickly. You can you can beat big money. It just um, it surprises people the first time you try it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting strategies to this game. There's certain cards that, if they are available, uh, depending on what other cards are available, are huge successes. I know that when uh, Nate and I played a couple of times, there was one time where, for example, the witch card was available. The witch is a card that lets you. Play curse cards on other players, which let you um, uh, essentially give them negative victory coins that stick in their deck. And uh, when that was available, there are some cards that will allow you to get rid of those negative cards. And there's other card, and but sometimes those negative those those cards to get rid of the negative cards aren't available. So really, your strategy has to shift based on what cards are in play, what cards are available for you and your opponents to pick up. And uh, there's all kinds of different little strategies that draw out of that. That sort of ties into when I play the game, uh, a lot of times when I'm teaching new people, I start with the recommended learning collection of cards Ooh. from the rule book. Mm-hmm. And my biggest problem for the game is that with that version of the, of the rules, there's essentially no interaction between the players at all. I think that's in some ways kind of good for when you're learning, though, because it doesn't let you feel, you know, hurt when someone stomps on your perfectly crafted strategy. It also so,
1: doesn't let an experienced player stomp on you.
0: At the end of the day, yeah, that that exactly. So if somebody tries, uh, you know, a a kind of a boring uh, but effective strategy, like buying nothing but money cards, uh, they'll do all right as long as there's no player, in, no player on player. Interaction or ability to, you know, kick somebody around uh, who's doing that. Racket side, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Now, the other great thing about this game is like Small World, there's a lot of expansions for it. And this game was really built for expansions because if its kind of roots in the CCG kind of you know gameplay. It's super easy to just add new cards to the game that include new game mechanics and new rules right there on the cards. It's very easy. So to really, to it's no different in. from Magic the Gathering, except that the expansions cost like 40 bucks instead of uh, a dollar <laughs> to pick up a pack of six cards. Right. That is true, but there are, what, like six expansions for this game? And um, and you end up with is... an extra
1: 300 cards, not an extra six.
0: Yeah, it does feel like a value. Uh, you really feel like you're getting new exploration on the game mechanic when you buy one of the new expansions. So I, I think that's great. Um, one downside of this game is that it is hard to play online. And that's a kind of an interesting story. I... I When I started playing this game, uh, I really, really wanted to play it against uh, my friends on the internet because uh, so many of my friends aren't here in town, and it can be really hard to get people together for a game of this sometimes, even though the games are short and it's easy to teach to new people. Um, So I went immediately and started looking to see, hey, is there an iPad version of this game? Just like there is for Carcassonne and for Ticket to Ride and for some of the other like small worlds of the other games we've talked about. And unfortunately, there isn't. Um, it's a. It would be a perfect game for online play and specifically for the iPhone or iPad because it just would work so well. And for a while, there actually were unofficial versions of this game. Um, there were a lot of developers that had kind of created – it's a very popular game. It's very influential. And uh, there were a lot of imitators of this game. But there's also a lot of people who had created apps that were essentially Dominion for iPad, even used that name. And uh, Rio Grande Games, the company that publishes the game, allowed that. They just let that go for a while. Um, but uh, And there were actually several really good, competing, unofficial Dominion apps. At some point, uh, Rio Grande Games sold the rights to a company called GoCo. And uh, that... I think has turned out to be a real mistake. Uh, Goku had a plan to create a online gaming platform based on making games that ran as HTML five apps. The idea would be that they would run in a web browser and they would run equally well on an iPad, on an iPhone, on a Mac, on a PC, whatever. But, um, Yeah, they didn't run very well. Um, They did create a version that runs on a desktop web browser and it's still up and works if you want to play it, but I don't recommend it. It's just it just isn't well constructed and the, the pricing scheme for it isn't very fair and it's just it doesn't feel right. Um, And so it really felt kind of lame that all these fairly good adaptations got taken down in favor of something that is broken and just simply doesn't work. Goku even eventually actually put up an iPad version of the game and took it down again within two days. The response to it was so bad. It was essentially a wrapper around their web page. It just did not work well at all. Uh, The interesting part of that, though, is that because this game was so influential, there have been an absolute ton of imitators of this game, and I've been trying to look around and find what I thought was the most accurate, most Dominion-like game that you can play easily over the internet with a good iPhone or iPad app, because that's my preferred way to play board game and card games over the internet. And um, really interestingly, I came across a game that's made by a company called Playdeck Games. Playdeck has made a lot of really, really good uh, board game to iPad game uh, adaptations. And unfortunately, uh, the version that they chose, or perhaps fortunately, was a game that is essentially a reskin of Dominion. Its game mechanics are identical to Dominion. But instead of being a lord managing a kingdom or a, you know, whatever, you are the lord of a manor house hiring maids. And the maids are all uh, in a, drawn in anime style in a way that really makes you feel like a creep. The game is called Tanto Kuare. And it is exactly like Dominion. I'll be putting some links in the show notes, and hopefully, maybe a couple of photos. But I've I've downloaded it. It's three bucks. You can play it on the iPad or the iPhone. It is exactly the same rules of Dominion. In fact, many of the game cards are exactly the same rules as Dominion. But instead of, for example, hiring a moneylender, you hire a French maid wearing, uh, you know, thigh high uh, uh, legging or stockings. You know, some themes can really sell me on a game. (laughs) Some themes could really make me not want to play it. And the fact that someone could look over my shoulder and see me buying or selling French maids just... I, you know, I'm out. I'm sorry. I know that's the tragedy of this. Yeah, that's pretty silly. It's actually an incredibly well done adaptation. I, I decided to give it a shot recently, just out of curiosity, because I, I mean, I just he You so can just yeah. turn around and say, curiosity. "Okay, now it's you're you've got a galactic <laughs> dominion, and so we're making <laughs> all the things into aliens." I really you know, wish that, that would were be true. fine. A little goofy, but cool. So, so yeah, I, I was kind of sad. That said, if you are willing to, if you can play this game only in your home with no one looking over your shoulder, <laughs> it's super fun. It's uh, it's a How really well done How many games really in well your closet
1: is that true of, of Reagan? Dominion. I mean, being honest, and I'm not talking about playing only at home. I'm talking about wearing leggings and <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, too many. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out a great reskin of Dominion with creepy
2: art uh tanto Quare is it's really uh, what the game had been missing was creepy art yeah
0: yeah so and it actually is an incredibly well done port uh it it apparently actually was um in the uh, dominion came out in 2008 tanto Quare came out as an actual uh card game exclusively in japan big surprise uh in 2009 so it is a uh uh, this app is actually an adaptation of that card game, rather than just directly ripping off Dominion. Uh, but that game ripped off Dominion. It's Dominion. Uh, it's Dominion, except that instead of gold, you buy uh, you buy women with love. That's the, uh, the the currency in the game. It's love. Yeah, it's really awkward don't play it in front of people but it's really it's really well done it has online multiplayer uh, both uh, both live <laughs> so you're really trying tripper. to sell me on these maids so Reagan, uh, Reagan, you're right you're right Reagan, no I one is tell- ever going to play this game it's really a shame that they didn't just replace it with i don't know horses or something
1: i can tell that our strategy of just looking at you until you run out of steam is failing but
0: uh- i know I know it's awful. Reagan, you, you, did you just say you wish it was ponies instead? It would be better. It would be better if it was anything <laughs> except for for like anime
1: maids in like so. Your little if you ponies. Can buy ponies with love. Um.
0: <laughs> sure. Why not? It'd be better than Tanto Quares theme. <laughs> uh, that said, if you can get wait, over the wait. Could you think of anything that would be pretty well done. worse than Tanto Kumari? Uh, I, th- more I still naked? have a
1: photo of Reagan sitting on the couch watching Love Actually. Not the video that, you know, was popular, but the anime.
0: Love Actually yeah. the anime?
1: You remember the one about the guy that lived in the, like, bathhouse? Oh,
0: God, you're thinking of Love Hina.
1: Love Hina, thank God.
0: you. God, okay, I'm editing this out because that chapter in my life is closed and never to be reopened.
1: Oh, I'll put the photos for the show notes.
0: Oh, dear. Well, um, that was my game pick for the week. Not Tanto Quarry, but instead Dominion. Dominion is a fantastic game. You can pick it up on Amazon for a pretty reasonable amount of money. Uh, Or if you prefer, go support your local game store. Uh, We'll put some links in the show notes to where you can find this game online. Uh, But if you can support your local game store, go in, buy a copy of this game, and talk to the friendly people behind the counter and see if there's a local game meetup group that will help you learn the game and play many other exciting games. They're really a great place to explore this hobby and a great place to meet people. Um, One of the nice things about them, though, is that if you don't want to meet people, it's pretty easy to just sit down and play a board game with someone and not have to get to know them in any detail. When I was in New York, I got to play a lot of board games with people who I still keep in touch with, and I got to play board games with Lou, who smelled bad and uh, had a lazy eye. Uh, not that there's anything weird about that, Lou. Hey, if you're out there, you were a cool dude, Lou, because I would never have talked to you, Lou, if there were any you know in. You any really context took a one eighty there. there. You took but, a one eighty you know on
2: your description of Lou there. It started <laughs> out all P- terrible in your conscious. Playing guy board better. games with
0: Lou was a lot of fun. He was a weird dude. He had some weird stories about having been homeless, but he was pretty good at losing board games gracefully.
1: Reagan, your credibility is going like it's 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 buried along with those women that you bought with love.
0: Oh jeez. All right. So now that we've all tanked my credibility as a speaker into microphones, um does anybody have any final thoughts about uh, board games in general? Did Seba get a game?
1: Siba actually sat here and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bug Shane and I will tempt him with beer and uh, I will I will do a round on Memoir Forty Four for your for your next round because that that's gonna be that's gonna be fun.
0: Oh, you know, Siba, I remember buying Memoir Forty Four for you when we um uh, when we were playing a lot of board games together because it was one of those games that I thought this game is gonna be too hard for me, but Siba is gonna kick ass
1: at it. For for those who are sitting here watching and taking notes and are randomly Googling right now, it's it's a game that, interestingly enough, was put together by the French government for the, uh, I want to say, 50th anniversary of D-Day. And it's Mm -hmm. a a hex-based game, but it's not a hex-based game where you need to, like, dominion is for some of the customizable card games you don't have to sit there at your game shop and ridiculous or 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 lovingly or ridiculously depending on your point of view paint miniatures and gather them and then build the board and then put your people on but it's a it's very much a hex game in a box that uh that is a is a blast to play so
0: yeah memoir 44 is a great game if you like uh two player i think as far as i recall it was exclusively two player It is, um, games, uh, with scenarios because it gives you a, a book of scenarios to play out. And each time you play a scenario, uh, you know, one player will take the axis side and another will take the allied side and you play out a, uh, perhaps I was getting that wrong. You were giving me a strange look there, Siba.
1: No, no, no. I I think you're exactly right. I'm going to, I'm going to steal, uh, the two of you gentlemen and we'll, we'll run a, a threesome for a hex game, uh, 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 podcast one time with HeroScape, um, Memoir <laughs> yeah. 44, and we'll come up with a third.
0: Hex-based games Maybe a whole little subgenre on its own, but Memoir 44, if you want to dive into the more uh, more war-gamey side, is a great one to play with just two people in a reasonably short amount of time. Uh, And one of the nice things about it is that you play out a predefined scenario and then you trade places and you play out the same predefined scenario, but each player taking on the opposing side. Uh, Really a terrific game, well designed, and it feels like a board game rather than feeling like some kind of complicated uh, Axis and Allies extended, you know, forever thing. It feels contained and really well put
2: together. So, yeah, good pick there. Interesting. I don't think I've ever played a game like that. It's awesome, so I was just gonna say real quick that you know I obviously love video games, I do, but I think that part of me has a lot more fun playing board games with a group of friends mm-hmm. uh, in an individual instance. It can uh, be I- a
0: really uh great way to bring people into gaming as a hobby. I have tons of people that I have played board games with who would never even consider picking up a controller. And if you like playing games with other people, board games are so much more approachable for all sorts of people who just don't find video games compelling or interesting to them. Uh, it's just yeah, a great I way mean, to bring people into I mean, a board gamer. Uh, mm-hmm. Me? Yeah. Um, I know you're, I, a,
2: you're a big board game fan, right? Absolutely. But it is a relatively recent development about um four years ago molly my girlfriend lived in portland and i went to visit her and she had a friend from work who was having people over to play board games and we played carcassonne and we played power grid and that was really the first time that i'd ever played anything that would have been considered a euro game i immediately went home and bought carcassonne uh, taught it to all my friends we played carcassonne Virtually every night for like six months straight, <laughs> and then I got—I did. Until my you got sick grid. of it? <laughs> yeah. Well, more like we just got more games. Never <laughs> really gotten sick of Carcassonne. I'll still play it at any point, but it did kind of culminate. One of the last times we played it uh was when we tried every single expansion that had existed with six people. And it took like five hours, and it, <laughs> and uh, quite honestly, it wasn't even that fun because uh, it just went for so long. That's a but marathon. I still play it. Yeah, I still play it here and there, but that was really one of the last times in a in a long run of playing a lot of Carcassonne. But yeah. since then, I've I've you know I've expanded my collection and, and sought out new games, and mm-hmm. I I enjoy it a lot. And and with the living situation that I had, which was a lot of roommates in and out and just a lot of people over here in and out had a lot of opportunity to teach these games to a lot of different people. And that's why we were able to have, you know, something like, uh, you know, somewhere at least around a hundred games of settlers. And if you look at that scoreboard, I was talking about earlier, there's about 10 different names, all that have multiple, multiple wins. Mm -hmm. So we'd have people over and everybody's just kind of like, do we want to go to a bar yeah, we could do that. Or you guys want to play Settlers? Yeah, let's do that, and we'll play a game or two. And uh, that's great of fun.
0: And I miss that about those days. And that's really why these games that we were talking about today really appeal to me is that th- these are games that you can get some of that. You know, hey, let's just grab the roommates and haul out the copy of Settlers um, kind of feel, but you don't have to have six people, and you don't have to have four hours. Um, so hopefully we've gotten a chance to really give a little bit of an overview of what's exciting for a newcomer to uh, to board games or hopefully uh, opened up some uh, new avenues for some people. Uh, where can people find these games?
2: Uh, any, I mean, like you said earlier, there's a game store in every city. Even if you're in a small town, I guarantee there's some sort of fantasy shop. Or yeah. uh, Barnes & Noble actually yeah. has... Way better than I expected, even more so than Target. It has from the Barnes Noble that I've been to. You could get uh, – they had multiple copies of uh, Small World, mm-hmm. Ticket to Ride, um, Settlers, mm-hmm. the Settlers Expansions, uh, Carcassonne. Yeah, a lot
0: of the uh, game shops I've been into have been also um, independent book or comic shops. Yeah. And so that's what led me to the hobby in the first place was it – my – Go to comic shop was also a, uh, a game store. Are you talking about Nans? I'm talking about Nans. Oh, if you're man. out there, Nans. Uh, no one in the shop can tell me why you're called Nans. <laughs> man,
1: that I've place been Nans. place holds a long.
0: special place in my heart. That was the first place I ever bought a board game. First place I ever bought a comic book, and probably the first place. I ever saw a weird um, middle-aged guy who draws who drives a car covered in Santa Clauses every single day of the year.
1: That's not Nans. That was uh, that's. Um...
0: No, that's Nans. Yeah, games works and comics too.
1: Yeah, it is. Oh, my god. Yeah, mano, he, mano, he's mano, behind mano.
0: the counter, man. He's he's uh, he's a very opinionated guy when it comes to comic books. He's like Santa Steve or
1: something. Yep. 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 yep.
0: Yeah, he's like a full-time Santa. Really interesting guy. So thanks guys for getting together with me. I'm really glad we got a chance to sit down and talk about board games, even though we haven't been able to sit down and play board games together because of our, uh, our great distance apart. Um, But I'm hoping that uh, through the magic of the internet, uh, the four of us will be able to pick up one of these games and, uh, and ride again here soon. Um, So uh, just uh, so thanks again for joining us. We've been the short game. Uh, Nate, where
2: can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Nate STL. And can I uh, can I throw out a little plug? quick oh, please! For something. Uh, this is not something that I'm in, directly involved in, but uh, a couple friends of mine have a really awesome Let's Play series. It's two of the funniest people that I've ever met. They. Oh, I have called, seen
0: a little bit of this. So listen to this. Yeah. Way.
2: It's a. It's called Game Plus, and they do. Uh, it's uh, husband and wife, and they do. New games, old games, it's really, really funny. And they have all these like, little pop-ups in their videos. It's it's really funny.
0: Hey, I'm Chuck. I'm Megan. Uh, this is Batman Arkham Asylum. This is an old game, but Megan's always wanted to play this, I... so he said, why don't we play this?
1: Get out of my way, I want in the elevator. That's my terrible Batman voice.
0: <laughs> that was a Batman voice? I thought you were just like a dog or something.
1: <laughs> my voice is too high to do an actual Batman voice. I don't know, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you want another one? Where is she? Where is
1: she? <laughs> Let's
2: look on YouTube for Game Plus. Mm-hmm. We'll do. Shane, where can we find you? I'm online at Eight
0: Bit Shane on Twitter. Awesome, and uh, I am, of course, uh, your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am at Reagan K. I spell that kind of funny. It's at R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Siba, do you want anybody net stalking you?
1: You can find me at my home.
0: Yes, which is in Houston, Texas. And we'll list the address in the show notes.
1: Please call first.
0: Alright, so thanks uh, thanks particularly to Siba for joining us for this special board game episode. I think this was a lot of fun. I think we'll probably return to other uh, topics like this in the future, uh, but next week we'll be coming back at you with another video gaming themed episode in our traditional style Um I expect that next week we will be talking about Portal, a game that truly changed the short game experience for all of us. And I know it was a hugely influential game in my gaming life. uh, And I know I am really excited to talk about it. And I hope everybody else is too. So uh, Nate, Shane, I will see you guys here next week to chat about Portal. And good night. Au revoir. Do you know any good jokes um, I know one about a centipede have I told that one I don't know tell it so um, like guy was walking down the street and he sees a he's on his way to the bar uh, he sees a homeless guy uh, with a tiny house next to him like a little doll house only smaller and he, he says to the guy uh, you know it's elaborately detailed he, he stops to look and uh, the homeless man holds up a cup and says uh, uh, Hey, mister, uh, do you want to see my singing centipede for a dollar? And he's like, what? And he, the guy points to the little house. He says, my singing centipede will sing for you for a dollar. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so he gives the, he gives the guy a dollar. Out comes a little uh, centipede. And it's like dressed up. And it, it sings a little operatic aria. And the guy just stands there dumbfounded, just staring at the thing. Um, he says, that was amazing. And then the homeless guy says, you like that? You know, well, for, uh, for 500 bucks, I'll, I'll let you take the centipede. You can have him." Mm-hmm. And the guy says, Oh, okay. You know, he pulls out the money he gives it to the guy. He takes the little house with him to the bar and he sits it down on the bar next to his friends. And, uh, the, it, it guy says to his friends, "Listen, guys, I, I'm going to show you the most amazing thing that you will ever see in your life. And if you see what I'm about to show you, and you don't think it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life, I will give you fifty bucks. But if it is, you have to give me a hundred bucks." So the guys are like, "Oh, okay, fine. You know, you don't even have to bet me. I love seeing amazing things. Uh, that's a beautiful dollhouse, but I've seen better." So. Uh, he knocks on the house. He says, come on out, centipede. Nothing. Uh Nothing. So, uh, he pounds on the, on the roof a little louder. Centipede, come on out. It's time to sing. Centipede, you're on. Nothing. And the guys are starting to, he's starting to have his doubts, Uh you know. Uh, he reaches down and he opens the tiny little door and he looks inside. He says, come on, centipede. And out one of the top windows, pops a little centipede head. And he says, hold your horses. I'm putting on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> There's so much setup.
1: That. <laughs> the, 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 what? <laughs>